Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. I am your host. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I have a good friend of mine on the show uh, today, and I'm really excited to dive into uh, some deep subject matter of a book that he just wrote. Before we get into that, I always love to share a scripture that I feel like is in line with the uh, with the uh, uh, subject matter of the show. And so I want to dive into Romans 11, 33 to 36. I want to get right into it here. And so I'm going to read it for you. Romans 11, 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has become his counselor? For who has given to him that it might be paid back to him again. For from him and through him and to him are all things, and to him be glory forever. Amen. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, this scripture is just revealing the awesomeness of God, how our human mind cannot possibly comprehend the things of God. He is in the natural above you know, our ways as human beings. But the beautiful thing is in the new covenant with his spirit residing and living on the inside of us, um, this beautiful new covenant in his blood, in his broken body, we now have the mind of Christ. And the apostle Paul in another section of scripture in Corinthians actually quotes the same scripture and says, but we have now the mind of Christ. So we could begin to fathom and understand all these things that are unsearchable, all these riches of wisdom and knowledge we can now access in Christ. And so we're going to dive into today um, some beautiful things that I really believe will show you a side of Jesus that maybe you've never seen before or highlight some scriptures that I believe will really get you thinking and, and chewing on it so you can do some further searching and studying of scripture on your own. And so no further ado, I want to introduce my guest. He's been on the show with me before, but I love to have him on. I think this might be his third time on the show, but his name is Caleb Hires. He's an author, public speaker, worship leader, and missionary with a deep passion to see every worshiper of God believe and express, express the finished work of Christ. As a senior leader of the Resting Place Tampa Church, he leads with an all-out reliance in the voice of God. Caleb is a published author with Fivefold Media, a podcaster with Charisma Podcast Network, and Elijah List, published writer. He travels all over the place. He's married. Um, he's got two boys, Judah and Shiloh, and him and his family do ministry together. And so. Welcome, Caleb, to the show. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm ecstatic to be here. I love being with you. Awesome, man. Awesome. I think it's your third time on the show with me, man. So it's always good talking to you. Yeah, I think it is. I I lost count, but I love it. I love what you're doing. <laughs> and I'm honored to be in the on the list of people you interview because you got amazing people on the show all the time. I love it. Lou, I love your passion, man. You uh you live by faith. And you follow the Lord with everything. That's one thing that really stuck out to me when I first met you, man. And so for those who may not be familiar with your ministry, your books, your church, um, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I just shared a little bit here in your bio, but AB, just tell us something about yourself as well as, man, how did how did this start for you, man? How did you encounter the Lord for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I went from the womb to the pew. We grew up in church, you know what I mean? But I was in a cessationist background where we had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. So I didn't have a lot of encounter with the Holy Spirit, you know, very lacking oil, so to speak. A lot of bread, no wine, if you know what I mean. And so that's how I grew up until my mother got healed of a 30-year chronic condition. She was struck by lightning when she was 18 and had a chronic migraine. She was on 80 milligrams of oxycodone every four hours. And then God used me to heal her 
in my unbelief. It's a radically wild story. I talk about it in my book, Living Independenceville, but um, that really shifted my entire perspective. And I was like, okay, I don't understand God. Um, I don't understand you. I know that Jesus is Lord and that's pretty much it. So I just, you know, that flipped my whole world upside down. That was September, 2012. And my mother is still healed to this day. She's now travel nurse and uh, just praising the Lord and being a, an amazing nurse that prays for her patients and stuff like that. And so ever since then, seeing healing, seeing miracles been around the world, met some amazing people like the amazing Michael Lombardo and just because <laughs> of these circles, you know, just thrust it into great levels of faith, have amazing spiritual parents, you know, George and Winnie Banoff and um, just recently Mark and Ann Tubbs with HIM created a great relationship with them. So just been really cheered on by amazing people. I call myself a Bapticostal. You know, and I love the word of God and I love the Holy Spirit of God. I believe the word and the spirit agree. And I believe we need both the bread and the wine. I believe we need to be healthy, uh, fat and happy, so to speak, you know, holy and happy as my spiritual father, Georgie Banoff says, as the bride of Christ. So yeah, man. Amen. Amen, bro. You just released a book entitled The Wild, Weird and Wonderful Ways of Yahweh. <laughs> I love, I love that title. And you start off in the book and you talk about this concept that familiarity breeds contempt, a very familiar concept to many of us, you know, uh, you know, how, how it breeds contempt. And so you, you relate this to our relationship with God, man. I really want to dive into this because I feel like each chapter in this book is something that we could really dive into for a while. And so I kind of want to start off with that, how familiarity breeds contempt. How do you, how do you relate that to our relationship with God? Yeah, I think the reality is, and the message I want people to know is God is not boring, even if you're bored with God. You know, you might be bored with him, but he is not boring. God is wild. I mean, God does amazing things every single day, and those who are attentive to him get to participate. And so I think in our our Christendom, in our tradition or or whatever, and everyone has traditions, traditions aren't innately bad, you know, inherently bad, but we can get caught in this, you know, people say it, going through the motions, we get overly familiar. That's the point of the book is rediscovering the God we are overly familiar with. I think we just, you know, we get up, we we wake, we pray, we, we read our Bible and we just go about our day. But, you know, the the power of a million nuclear reactors is inside your body right now. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in every believer. And what are we doing with it? You know, so I think that as we just kind of, we just kind of exist and we're not, um, even asking to see a new side of his face, we can unintentionally become overly familiar, just like in Nazareth when they were overly, they were offended with Jesus. But the reason why they were offended with him, the reason they took offense with him is right there. Uh, it's admitted there. They say, aren't his brothers here? Don't we know him? Aren't his sisters here with us? We, we watched you grow up, you know? And so having that like, oh, I already know you thing, cut off the flow of the miraculous in Nazareth that said he could not do many mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. And I just argue in the book that if we are overly familiar with the Lord, we also will cut off the flow of the miraculous in our life. And we won't see God move in that way because Jesus is the word made flesh. And so I just want to, just want to bring people into a, maybe a, re a refreshing outlook of who God is. And you can just start right now by saying, you know what, I'm going to just approach every, even my favorite scriptures with a new look. Like I'm just going to look again. You know, I'm just going to look at the Lord again. I'm just going to participate with heaven. The angels are seeing a new side of his face every moment, and I also want to do that. So I think fighting off that familiarity is super important. 
and our relationship with God, I think, will flourish and and be renewed and and be replenished and be honestly way more exciting if we would take that approach. I just feel like awe, man, like just returning back to awe and wonder and just like like you said, you know, going back into the scriptures and saying like, Lord, I want to see you afresh. I want a new view of you, like capture my heart again, Lord. And I just feel like sometimes, even though we might not see an instant change or something supernatural take place right away, I think it starts with recognizing that we have a need, recognizing that we've become you know, over familiar, maybe with supernatural things or the presence of God, or we're just kind of going through the motions. And it might, it might start out just with something as simple as like, Lord, restore, restore my awe, restore my wonder. I want to see you afresh. I want to see you anew. I, I do not want to fall for my first love. I want to be madly in love with you. And I know it starts with knowing how much you love me and finding out more about you and getting more revelation from you. You know, I just really feel like God wants to restore that awe and wonder in the church. Absolutely. And it talks, you know, uh, Proverbs 9, I believe it is, says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But that word fear is the awe and reverential worship of God. The, whoa, you're amazing. I, I tease people all the time. I like saying things that uh, put people off tilt. I like making their head go sideways. And I say to people, God is awful. He is full of awe. He's not awesome. He's awful. You know, I mean, anytime they met an angel, they were terrified. They were, they were full of awe. And that's just an angel. Imagine the whole fullness of God, which by the way, lives inside of you. You're full of awe. You're awful. And you don't even know it. (laughs) I just love this, you know, saying things like that so that people get out of their ruts, like you're saying, and back into that childlike wonder. It's so important. I talk about in chapter one about uh, how my son loves to play peekaboo. He plays peekaboo with himself. He loves it. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's just tickled yeah. to death with uh, everything goes away, and then everything's there, and then everything goes away, then everything's there. And that childlike wonder, that, that the beauty of that innocence, I believe is accessible for every believer, whether you've walked with the Lord for 40 years or four minutes. I believe that's accessible. You know, I don't believe, in, I don't believe we have to lose our first love. That's a prescription, not a description in the Bible. It's, it's a, I'm sorry, it's a description, not a prescription. I said it backwards. It's describing the state of some, but it's not prescribing it to anyone. You don't have to lose your first love. I believe we can stay in love with God. I believe we can abide in the Lord. I believe it's possible because Jesus said, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. That means we were, when he said that he created the capacity for us to do it. So I don't believe we have to lose our first love. That's not prescribed for any believer. It might be a description of someone right now, of even someone listening, but listen, beloved, that's not a prescription. You don't have to go there. You don't have to stay there. You can come out from that and enter that awe, into that wonder, into that childlike faith again, just like Michael is saying. Sorry, I just feel like needed to speak to somebody directly just there, Michael. I hope that's okay. Yeah, absolutely, man. Total freedom to minister out of your heart, bro. And so, you know, and you mentioned about peekaboo, and I love your chapter "Hide and Seek" in the book, where you talk about how the how the Lord actually hides. You know, and I love this quote from Bill Johnson, where he says, "The Lord doesn't hide from us; He hides for us." And I, I absolutely love that quote, man, because yeah, even in the scriptures, and you and you talk about it in your book, but the Lord loves to hide so that we can seek Him. And there's a hunger that is created that when you seek the Lord and you find Him, He's so amazing. He's so beyond anything you'd ever ask or imagine that it gives you hunger, more hunger in your heart to go and keep seeking him. And then you keep finding him. Then you keep seeking him and you keep finding him. It's this beautiful cycle in the scriptures. 
but you but you talk about you know how Jesus hides in plain sight, man. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, and I just take through the the moment, a uh, very famous story on Resurrection Sunday, the road to Emmaus. You know how he's Jesus. I think it's hilarious. The story is hilarious to me, but Jesus literally walks beside them. It's in Luke, uh, and talks to them as if he doesn't know what just happened to him. You know, and he he they're like are you the only one in, in Jerusalem or in Israel who hasn't heard, you know, Jesus, the man from Nazareth, he was a mighty prophet. He did all these miracles and then he died. We thought he would be the Messiah. And then he even goes on to say, you know, are you guys so dull? Like look at the scriptures and he, the Lord takes them through the scriptures and they don't know it's the Lord taking them through the scriptures. They don't recognize God right in front of them until he breaks the bread. And then as soon as they see him, he disappears. So this whole time he was hiding in plain sight hiding for them, just like he said, not from them. And they were discovering him in a new way because he hid in plain sight, you know? And that's just, I just find so much richness in that, that God could be hiding in plain sight around me right now. Like people could be, literally God could be t- talking to them through the most unlikely, uh, you know, vessels or the most unlikely sources all day long. And they have no idea. And I think that helps because we can look for God. And like you said, that hunger can rise up because God is speaking all of the time. The question is, are you hearing? Are you tuned into the right station, so to speak, you know? And Jesus, for me, is just super playful. I just, he's my best friend. He's just super playful. And he, he, he disappears from those two. They run the, off the road of, to Emmaus. They, those two run back to the other disciples. And they're like, we saw the Lord. They're like, yeah, it's true. He appeared to Peter. Peter. And then he appears in that room for them. Like, you know. Boo, you know, <laughs> think of it, you know, so he just, I just love that. I think it's amazing. And he, it's just the way of Yahweh. It's just a wonderful way that Yahweh hides. And it's, it's, it's so that we can, it, it's the real, sometimes we lose sight of him by getting too focused on what's behind or what's ahead when he's the I am, you know? So my whole point in that, that whole thing of him hiding in plain sight is God is still the I am. He is present right now. You might not see him but he's present, right? We know this instinctively. God is omnipresent, but he could be hiding in plain sight. That doesn't mean he's far from you. You know, he, he is very near right now. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And you know, I love how Jesus always, he would share a parable or he would share a mystery and he would say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Those who have eyes to see, let them see. And even in the book of Revelation, every time, you know, he spoke to a church and he would always say, you know, this, you know, this, you know, those, those who have ears to hear, let the spirit of the Lord enlighten them. And I have the, had that kind of language in there. And so I just feel like, man, when we have a seeking heart, when we're looking for him in our everyday lives, when we're willing to open up our heart and our ears and our eyes to see him in a family member, a friend at church, but also through a radio station, through whatever, like where our hearts are always searching. We're always looking for him. You know, um, God speaks through very unlikely ways, through very unlikely people. I just feel like, you know, there's a people like, oh, God spoke to me. And there's people who are always hearing from the Lord. And it's just like, dude, how, how did God speak to you through that? It's because that person's hungry and their heart's open and they're seeking after the Lord. He said, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you knock, I'll answer, you know? And so I think there's so much power to that. You know, we just don't need to find him in, in the structures that we, we deem spiritual, that he, he fills all in all, just like the scripture I, I quoted earlier in Romans 11 for from him and through him and to him are all things. He fills all in all, and we can find him in everything. That's right. And I, I even argue in the book that God often will use the vessel that offends you the most to see if you'll step over your offense and into the kingdom. He's often yeah. using 
the vessel that offends us the most. You know, the person we don't want to hear from is the one he speaks to <laughs> just to see if we'll value the truth of God over our offense. It's how he brings us out of those stuck places, you know? Wow, man. There's this, it's funny because I, I didn't even think I'd be sharing this at all. But now that you say that, um, I, a story came to my mind that when I first got saved, I was hanging out with some believers, but they were very carnal, man. They weren't really, it weren't really after the Lord. And I was so hungry and I was very impressionable, you know, and I went to New York with them and New York was packed, of course. And this was like 12 years ago and New York was packed. And I remember just something was stirring in my spirit. Like, you're not like these people, like you're different. Like, you are, you are looking for another world. You know, you're not, you, you don't want to, you don't care about what's in this world. Your heart's after another world. And, and I just remember being like kind of to myself and quiet as the Lord was kind of speaking to me and almost convicting me and like, Hey, like you're not like these people, you know? And, and, uh, and there's this homeless guy on the streets, you know, one of those crazy people that like hold up a, a Bible that says like, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, but they're obviously homeless. And so many people just, you know, scoff at them and spit at them. And, I walked I walked past this guy and he looked at me and he said, "Son, you are different than the than than the Christians around you. Your heart is after the Lord." And he was like, and he I, he said some other stuff, but it was it was what was going on in my heart and my mind at that time. And the Lord told me to give this guy a hug and I hugged him. And uh the guy hugged back and we just and everyone was looking at me. All the believers were looking at me like who is hugging this homeless guy? This guy's dirty. He's nasty. Why is he, you know? And in that moment, I realized, no, I need to find people that I could run with, you know, in the same wavelength that love the Lord more than their lives. And I, I need to get around people where, you know, an atmosphere where I can grow. And that's when God sent me to Christ for the Nations in Dallas. And I was able to get that. But I just love how you talk about how God speaks so unlikely, even, even vessels that, that, that could offend the mind. <laughs> yeah, he's got a wild way of getting our attention. And I even talked about, I, that's so funny. I didn't know that story about you, but I compare John the Baptist to a homeless looking guy with the word of the Lord in uh, chapter two of the book. He, I mean, dude is a crazy looking guy out there calling the religious elite, just calling them on the carpet, man. Saying, you brood of vipers, who warned you to escape the wrath of judgment, you know, of wrath of God's judgment. Don't say just because we're your sons of Abraham, you get a free pass, you know, and this guy is eating locusts and wild honey. He's weird. Camel. He's the most offensive looking dude to the religious elite. And, and it's God speaking through him. In fact, it's the most, he's the greatest prophet of the old, Testament, of the old covenant, you know, and yeah. such an unlikely look, such an unlikely image. So very, very much what you're saying. Exactly that. You have, a whole, you have a whole chapter in your book dedicated to the wild, you know, about the, uh, the, the naked prophet who is prophesying and you go through so many different stories, man, you know, in, in the Bible of just how God did things that, that, that offended so many people's natural carnal minds. And I, and I absolutely love that. And I would even like to, you know, to kind of get into, you know, before we end the podcast, I'd like to give a little time to this. You have a, a chapter in your book that talks about male and female. And to some people, this is very controversial, but it's talking about the nature of God. I would, I would love for you to, I don't want to give too much, you know, away here, but I'd love for you to talk about that. Oh, absolutely. I'm passionate about this subject because I believe we need to restore the image of God, at least in our thinking, back to the church. The image of God, if I ask someone to describe the Father or God, I mean, they're in their mind, the picture they get is probably a literal male, you know? I mean, arguably, yeah. our culture has propped that up. It's inaccurate, though. 
I mean, it's totally inaccurate. God is not male or female. He's male and female. And so that is such an important thing. And you're like, people go, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. know." Genesis 1, 27, you know, he made them in his image, male and female. He created them. Well, it's more than that because this argument, this image argument of, of the male and the female attributes of God being equals, being equal attributes is vital to so many conversations going on in the world right now. Gender fluidity, transgenderism, all of this stuff is, I believe, a result of us not representing the image of God well. And there are many things we've done, and I could go down a rabbit trail for a while here, but I just want to point out a couple things that God is spirit. God is not a man. God is not a woman. God is spirit because God is not a human. God is uncreated. We are created. That's an important thing. It's an important distinction. We are created beings. God is an uncreated being. And in God's uncreatedness, if I can use that crude term, God is both male and female. God is spirit. We are made in the image and likeness of God, but we're created beings and God is an uncreated being. So we can't put a created lens on an uncreated being. Otherwise, we will make God in our image instead of being made in his. Yeah. And that's a deep subject. There's a lot to talk about there, but this is proven through scripture. I mean, over and over again, Jesus compares himself to a mother hen wanting to gather Jerusalem. Isaiah 66, 13 talks about as a mother tenderly comforts her child, so I will tenderly comfort you. There's, there's mothering aspects to God. The Holy Spirit, the word, this is the thing that gets me in most trouble, Michael. I hope I don't get you in trouble with saying this, but it's just the word of God. So I kind of kind of do hope I get you in trouble a little bit. <laughs> but the word Holy Spirit in Hebrew cannot be said in the male form. It is exclusively feminine, exclusively feminine. It is exclusive to the feminine now. Ruach HaKodesh, you cannot say Holy Spirit in the Hebrew language except for in the feminine. And Lady Wisdom in Proverbs, the spirit of wisdom is a woman. Lady typified in a woman. Again, God is not a man and God is not a woman. God is spirit. But with the word spirit is exclusively feminine. That's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's neutral. It can be it, he, or she. The yeah. spirit himself could be translated the spirit itself. It could be translated the spirit herself. It's the Greek word autos. Autos. It is, it is neutered. It's neutral. So we have a neutral offering in the New Testament. We have an exclusive female offering in the Old Testament. And this is what I ask people, you know, if, if God, the Godhead represents the nuclear family, which we most understand, you know, that the family, you know, marriage between a man and a woman, they have children, that's the nuclear family, right? Then why do we, why do we think of God as the father, the son, and that other guy? Why do we think of God that way? You know, yeah. it's the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, who uh, Jesus, and this is one of my best defenses of this. And Jesus, I believe it's in uh, Luke eight. I don't know where it is. I'm or Luke. I'm, it might be Luke eight. I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. But it's where he has the three parables about a, a shepherd who loses a sheep, a woman who loses a coin, and a father who loses a son. And all three parables in that chapter. It might be Luke fourteen. I don't know. But in all three parables. There's a seeking, and then there's something that's found. In the first parable, there, a shepherd seeks, finds a sheep. In the second parable, a woman seeks, finds a coin. In the third parable, a father seeks, finds a son, right? He's yeah. waiting, at least, for the son to return. So the God figure in the first parable and the third parable is obvious to everyone. Oh, just shepherd, that's Jesus. The third one, that's the Father God. Okay, well, what about the middle parable? Who is the woman character seeking a coin? 
Could that be Lady Wisdom? Could that be Holy Spirit? Could God be both male and female? Just a question. Michael, I think the Pharisees heard Jesus loud and clear when he was saying these things, and it's one of the reasons they crucified him, because he compared God to having feminine attributes. I'm fully convinced of that, and I hope I don't get you in trouble for what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) No, trust me. Uh, Having you on the show, I know what I'm getting myself into. (laughs) I believe. At the same time, man, I I also I also agree with you. I do, and I'm not. You know, when I, when I believe something scriptural and of the Lord, man, no matter how controversial it is and needs to be shared, it's going to liberate so many people. And so, but when you think about it, man, even in the book of Genesis, when God is creating male and female, he created male and female in the image of God, not just male. And so if females are also created in the image of God, that must means there, you know, there are feminine attributes in God. And so, or, or it's just males that are created in the image of God and, and not females, which, which is wrong. It's, 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 it's not scriptural. And then I just also love, and you, you talked about different things about the, you know, Jesus being the mother hen, you know, bringing in Israel and you talked about all these different pictures here, but even like the apostle Paul, I believe he was talking to, um, the church of the uh, Thessalonians, but he said, I was, I was, um, I was nurturing to you like a mother. I would encourage you and nurture you as a mother. And then I came in and I admonished you as a father telling you to walk worthy of the call of God. And he said, like, I, I reared you, like you are my people. You are my children. Like I brought you into the faith and I was with you and I took care of you like a mother. I nurtured you like a mother and I encouraged you and admonished you like a father. And even then, like the apostle Paul, this manly guy who was a preacher of the gospel, he turned the world upside down with his message, with the demonstration of power and the Holy spirit said, I, I, at some point, I, I I loved on you and I, t- I took care of you like a mother would, and so he is he's exemplifying and expressing the Holy Spirit. So I just feel like, man, that 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 also is a good picture of yeah, man. There's male and female in God, and I think that it would be blasphemous to say otherwise. Absolutely, God is the source of motherhood because God is the source of all things. God is the source of femininity because God is the source of all things. Hello, God is the source. If we didn't come from God, where did it come from? Where where did female come from? Where did it come from? It's obviously from the Lord. It's obviously from God. He, women, I like to tell women, and I'll just speak directly to you right now. You are not second-rate human beings, okay? You are not less than. You're not some anomaly. You're not just here so we can create more humans. You represent the image of God just as much as I do, just as much as Michael does, to the same measure and the same extent. We have to get this understanding, bro. We have to. It's about restoring the image of God back to the church. And there are different roles. Obviously, I can't bear a child. Okay? There's different roles. But I'm not talking about roles. I'm talking about image. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about what we do. I'm talking about who we are, our origin in God. I'm talking about the image of God being restored. Oh, and, and I, I honestly believe that it's been a strategy of Satan, bro. It's just been a demonic strategy that has deceived so many believers, so many denominations. Um, and the devil is honestly, he's stealing, killing and destroying through it. He is suppressing women and their powerful role, you know, in the body of Christ to co-rule with us and to reign with us. And I just believe he's cut off the fruitfulness in so many different churches and denominations because they believe in this demonic religious lie that women are somehow less than. And guess what? The devil knows the scriptures. He quoted the scriptures to Jesus when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. He tried to use the scriptures to get Jesus to operate out of the will of God. 
And the devil has used scriptures in the New Testament, possibly Old Testament as well, to get us outside of God's will as well, to cripple us from not walking in the full power and potential that we have as a body. It's true. And it's even, unfortunately, and I'm not trying to bash any translators or whatever, but it is hidden in many translations. These things are are propped up by poor translations of some verses. That's why I read about 25 of them before I make an, a conclusion about anything. Okay, in the Bible, I, because they're all wrong in some way. You know, the, the translation is not infallible. The Word of God is infallible, but the translation, come on, things get lost, things get confused. But one of those situations is 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, where Paul is saying to Timothy, the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, it says in many translations, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here's the problem. That is not the word for men. That is the word for humankind. That's the word for people. He, Paul literally says, entrust to faithful people, men and women. Yeah. And many footnotes will say this means, or also women. But people say, well, Paul said women can't teach. Well, then why in 2 Timothy 2.2 2, did he say, entrust to faithful people, men and women? He didn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't a typo. He didn't use the wrong word. You know, he didn't use aner, which is the Greek word for man. He, did, he used, uh, I can't remember the other word, but he used the plural, you know, the humankind word, the word for people. And trust the faithful people. So the qualification for teaching in the church is not gender, it's faithfulness. The qualification for teaching in the church is not gender, it's faithfulness, according to the Apostle Paul. And I love what you brought out, that he also typified himself as a nurturing one. You know, the, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the comforter, right? The Holy Spirit is the comforter. I mean, there's so many examples of this. And I just believe we need to restore that image back to the church. It's vital, and you're totally right. You're 100% right. It is robbing us of something. It's robbing us when we can't hear, you know, we spiritual fathers and mothers. We need to hear both voices in the church today. Absolutely, and um, I just feel like I'm I'm grateful that we're in a generation where the Lord is um, uncovering a lot of these things. Um, the deception is being destroyed. Yes. There's people all over the world that are catching this understanding that are growing into the full stature of Jesus Christ. Like that's the point of apostles, prophets pastors to build up the body of Christ so we could walk and we could manifest the full stature of Jesus Christ and be fully conformed into his image. I just feel like there's people all over the world that are catching these revelations of no sin nature being fully alive in Jesus Christ. Um, Also, you know, Uh about this male and female um, revelation as well, and many other things about grace, how powerful grace is and and how we're not under the law. And there's so many powerful revelations that have been uh, manifesting in the church worldwide, not just in America, but all over the world that we, you know, we're, we're being enlightened. And I thank God for that. We are in a beautiful generation where the Lord is doing so much. And amen, before we, I would love for you to, before we close out, just however you feel led, man, there, there's people who are listening from all over the world. And uh, what would you say to them, man, to close this out? I know you wrote this book and there's obviously passion behind it. You're a very passionate guy. You believe in this, you preach it with all of your heart. You don't care about the backlash. Like what, what really drove you to write this book, man? And how could you encourage your people as we close out the show? Yeah, I would just, I would say that the, the languishing of the bride, the lukewarmness, I'll just say it. I'll say it right out. That's what (laughs) it's. I think the Lord is grieved over the lukewarm uh, church. I think that we need to rise up. And this is something that I, I believe the Western church needs to hear uh, yes, persecution is coming, but why wait for it to be on fire? Yeah. Honestly, yes, times of trouble are coming, but why wait for that to love the Lord with all your heart? Don't wait for that. 
I would, I think that's a waste of time. We need to redeem the time for the days are evil. You need to let your heart be set on fire by the love of God in Christ Jesus today. Today is the day of salvation. That, that word means wholeness, deliverance, healing, eternal redemption. Today is the day of the kingdom advancing. You're supposed to advance the kingdom. Let's not wait for persecution. Let's rediscover the God we are overly familiar with. Let our hearts be lit on fire today so that we can actually advance the kingdom into darkness. People are dying right now. People are being trafficked right now. There are real world consequences. There's real world consequences to our lukewarmness. We have the solution. We carry the promise. We carry all hope. We carry the God of all hope. And who are we to sit around and act like we don't have the answer? We have the answer. And I don't think it requires great trial or great turmoil or great persecution for us to rise up and offer it. I don't think it should. I think we should rediscover the God we're overly familiar with today. Let us be in awe again. Let us be just wrapped up in wonder again. And I promise you that the fruit will be good works. Faith will rise up and it will result in good works. I promise you. So that's why I wrote this book. That's why I want people to to just set their hearts toward the Lord again and not wait for some external circumstance. Let the internal reality of Christ in you, the only hope of glory this world has, rise up and bring a refreshing to your spirit today so that you can go out and refresh others. That's what I would say to every listener on this show. Otherwise, everywhere I go, in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Amen, bro. It's fire. So, uh, dude, how could people connect with your traveling ministry, uh, your church in Tampa, your uh, audio podcast, your books, etc.? How do people connect with your ministry? Yeah, you can go to calebhires.com. That's C-A-L-E-B as in boy, H-Y-E-R-S.com. That's kind of the hub for everything. But if you want to check out the church, we have all of our messages online, trptampa.com, the resting place, Tampa, trptampa.com. Uh, my podcast is connected to my website. calebhires.com is really the hub. Um, yeah, I have a podcast called The Faith Rest Life of God, uh, helping you enter into rest. You know, Bob Jones gave a prophecy that they're in the, we're in the century of rest. The 2020 would start the century of rest. So we're just kind of going after that. I actually started all this before I heard that prophecy. So that was a big confirmation for me. But yeah, that's how they can get connected with me. Awesome, man. And they can get your book, Amazon, your website. Yep. Everything through oh. the website, calebhires.com. Beautiful, beautiful. Hey, man, I love you. Your ministry is great. Um, praying for you, your family, your church, everything, bro. Thank you thank so much you. for taking time to... Uh, Thank you for being with me again, man. It's an honor, man. It's an honor to be with you. I love you dearly. I love what you're doing. I say more, Lord. More for Michael. More, more, more. We need the Michaels to have a voice. We need Michael's voice. We need it in the church. So thank you, Jesus, for it. Amen, Amen, bro. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for those who are listening right now to Awaken Podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review the podcast. We can get this out to more people so they can be blessed, encouraged, stirred, challenged by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you guys and see you next time on Awaken Podcast.